And what's so beautiful about the nerve block is that, God forbid, if you fracture your hip, you're going to come in and people are going to perform a procedure that takes seconds and is going to give you significant pain relief without the adverse effects of uh, morphine-like drugs. This will be standard of care across every Northwell facility. Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. The overuse of pain medications and narcotics like opioids in healthcare over the last two decades has had devastating effects. Our guests today are leading the way in expanding the use of nerve blocks. The use of this long-lasting regional anesthetic has revolutionized the field of anesthesia and is part of an important and necessary shift in the conversation about how we manage pain. Joining us in the studio is Dr. Joseph Marino, he is Northwell Senior Vice President for Anesthesia, who is not only championing the use of nerve blocks in the surgical setting, but now expanding its use to other services, including emergency departments, a game-changing move that has immediate and potentially life-saving results. Here to share their experience in joining us virtually in implementing this new novel approach in an emergency department setting are Dr. Joshua Greenstein, Assistant Medical Director, Department of Emergency Medicine at Staten Island, Dr. Maria Tama, co-director for the Division of Emergency Ultrasound, and Dr. Simone Rudnan, co-director of the Division of Emergency Ultrasound. So we'll get started with a question for you, Dr. Marino. Just tell us what exactly is a nerve block? So a, a nerve block is nothing more than the placement of Novocaine or local anesthetic uh, around the nerve vis-a-vis -vis, uh, a needle tip. Under the guidance of an ultrasound probe, we're able to visualize the needle tip and also visualize the Novocaine or local anesthetic bathe the surrounding nerve. So basically what it's doing, it's like almost like being at the dentist. It's numbing the area so you're not feeling pain, but you're not feeling high. Correct. That's awesome. So you're saying that nerve blocks have revolutionized the field of anesthesiology in the last two decades. Why? So I just want to give uh, the visual to the patients uh, and to people out there. We used to put people asleep and the only mechanism that we had to treat their post-operative pain was intravenous morphine-like drugs or narcotics. So typically you would find a patient in the recovery room holding an emesis basin, nauseous and potentially vomiting because of the side effects of that opioid, and also very drowsy and very sedate. In certain cases, if there was too much morphine or too much opioid given, there would be some respiratory rate or breathing decrease issues. So opioids, and I'm talking not too far along, not too far ago, I'm talking probably 15 years ago, were the mainstay of post-operative pain therapy. Now, because of the advent of the nerve block and the ability for us to anesthetize a certain part of the body that had surgery performed on it, virtually eliminates the, the need for these post-operative opioids. Dr. Greenstein, uh, the team at Staten Island University Hospital began using femoral nerve blocks for patients in, in, to the, in the emergency department in 2021. Tell us about how this got started. It started becoming described in the ER literature the last decade, but it really wasn't standard care 
I myself graduated in 2015, uh, never did a single uh, one of these procedures during my residency. And so we didn't really have the staff that was really trained to do it, um, even though it was something that we thought we thought we'd be able to do. We put a lot of needles next to targets. We use ultrasound in many different procedures itself. And so Dr. Marino, the real visionary, along with our chair at the time, Dr. Burrell, who's now the associate medical director, came together and we said, how can we make this a reality for our patients? How can we train our staff? How can we provide some education? Um, and furthermore, it was a little complicated because a lot of these patients were doing this for uh, patients with like nerve, for um, hip fractures. So they're being admitted to other services. Other surgeons are taking care of the patients. Um, and they're going to have to deal with the procedure that we do, and they're going to manage it. And so it's kind of like we're handing off a procedure, and they're going to then be left with the patient itself. And so we brought all the players involved. We brought orthopedics. We brought trauma, anesthesia, um, kind of explained what we're going to do. We got bought in from all the major players, and we were able to accomplish it. And we're currently, we're aiming to get 100% by September of this year. We're currently at 70% of our emergency medicine physicians are all trained how to do this and credentialed. And so that's really, really revolutionized how many are getting it. Because instead of being one in, one in a few that know how to do it, 70% are doing it. So when you have this patient, it's not like, oh, I don't know how to do it. It's when can we do it? Dr. Greenstein just talked a little bit about training emergency room physicians in the use of femoral nerve blocks. Dr. Rudnick, can you tell us a little bit more about that process? Sure. So um, the ultrasound division in the ER is um, ensuring that all of our uh, ED providers are uh, receiving training to perform these procedures. Um, our residents get um, every several months a procedure lab where they get to practice it. Our attendings also, uh, we do faculty development for it. So they have simulators where they can actually practice these procedures and they ultimately get credentialed and are very excited to go ahead and continue and providing these procedures to actual patients. And we also um, review a lot of these um, cases. And so a lot of the residents and attendings are kind of still reaching out to us like, oh, we did this nerve block. Can you take a look? Can you take a look? Um, so we're still kind of, you know, making sure everyone's following the rules and doing it uh, appropriately. It's awesome to hear about that enthusiasm, Dr. Tama. Right now, emergency departments at Northwell are starting uh, with femoral block, uh, but there are many types of nerve blocks. Uh, are there plans expanding training to emergency physicians in uses for others? So uh, I, I love the question. And just uh, like the Staten Island team and I were envisioning bringing this powerful tool to treat uh, hip fractures vis-a-vis um, -vis the femoral block, and that can can essentially uh, eliminate pain, leg, knee, um, foot, if we have to. We already have visions of expanding the use of ultrasound-guided nerve blocks for upper arm problems. So somebody comes, comes in with a shoulder dislocation or a laceration to the arm, shoulder, or hand. Uh, God willing, if we uh, continue on this path of innovation, we're going to be able to in-service our emergency medicine physicians in partnership and collaboration with the anesthesiologists to do these upper arm or upper extremity nerve blocks and provide a reduction in pain, a reduction in need for opioids, and significant patient satisfaction. So where exactly are, are the nerves that get the nerve blocks in the human body? Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of an anatomy lesson here. So the brachial plexus or the upper extremity nerve bundle, 
uh, is just above the shoulder, uh, and we could place Novocaine around that brachial plexus to essentially numb the shoulder, entire arm, and hand. The lumbar plexus is where the femoral nerve is located, is in the groin, and then the abdomen has a variety of different areas that we could inject Novocaine in under ultrasound guidance to significantly reduce some of those more provocative surgical operations of the abdomen, like uh, a hernia operation or um, a C-section. That's great. Dr. Tama, what types of patients are using, are using nerve blocks for? So the majority of patients are ones with hip fractures. Um, sometimes we'll get femur fractures as well. Um, you also can use it for patients that have like a really bad laceration um, or patients that have a significant burn to the thigh. Um, we have, you know, we're kind of on the lookout for that, but those are other potential uses uh, for this nerve block. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine a hip fracture is an extremely painful uh, and difficult to deal with. So, Dr. Marino, how does uh, the nerve block compare to the standard approach in the situation and what has been the reaction from the patients who received the nerve block? Yeah, so uh, excellent question. Uh, and the reaction has been... Um, you know, needless to say, uh, high satisfaction scores. Um, so, you know, just think about it. Somebody uh, is going to church, they fall uh, on the concrete, uh, and they don't know if they have a fractured hip, but it's really uncomfortable. And by the time they get into the ambulance and bounce around on the gurney, get taken to, to the hospital, bounce around even more, that is a very provocative experience for the patient. And again, in the past, all we did and all we had were IV morphine-like injections for these patients. Now, it worked. It would take a little bit of the edge of the pain away, but if you move that patient, the pain would still be there. And what's so beautiful about the nerve block is that you can move these patients and the movement will not provoke that serious pain that you see with the, uh, with the IV narcotic injection. So not only does it eliminate the need for narcotic, or I should say significantly reduce its opioid sparing, but the movement of the patient is appreciated with significant less provocation. Yeah. And when you talk about collaboration, you can only see this spreading and, and the innovation growing, you know, not only in Northwell, but in, in other places. Correct. hundred percent. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. I mean, uh, we piloted this at Staten Island uh, and their brilliance and success uh, demonstrated that uh, it works and it's safe. Uh, we ro we're rolling it out at South Shore. And before you know it, Northern Westchester, Phelps, Forest Hills, they're all going to be a part of it. And then before you know it, this will be standard of care across every Northwell facility. God forbid, if you fracture your hip, you're going to come in and people are going to perform a procedure that takes seconds and is going to give you significant pain relief without the adverse effects of uh, morphine-like drugs. Dr. Tamil, what are you saying to a patient? Obviously, a patient's going to come in in excruciating pain and they might be demanding, you know, some sort of pain medication. What do you say to them and how do you con convince them that this is the right move? So it does take some finesse, um, definitely, because it is something new that um, a lot of patients or the families are not familiar with. We tell them kind of what to expect, 
And then we tell them that later on, they won't be able to move their leg and kind of the expectations of what they should feel after the block is done and when it's done correctly. And everyone is like signing the consent form, like right then and there, like, okay, sure, sign me up, no problem. It definitely kind of um, starts their treatment from the, the beginning. They walk into the emergency department uh, and helps them kind of move along through the, the hospital stay quicker. So, Dr. Rudnick, does learning something like this uh, make you a better physician? So learning a technique like a nerve block, as long as we were familiar with the anatomy, hitting that nerve kind of came as second nature once we were comfortable with the anatomy. When it comes to making you a better physician, absolutely. You're able to do a procedure that spares a patient significant pain without providing them you know, the potential effects of opioids. Yeah, and the, definitely the patients feel that also. Um, you know, we've had a, a few cases where we've had patients request, you know, they didn't, they did not get um, their surgery within 24 hours because of other hospital complications. Um, and they have actually called and requested to have the emergency department come and uh, do another nerve block. And so they definitely feel the benefits of it as well. Dr. Greenstein, how satisfying is it to be leading this effort and to be helping to to get this message out and to be training others? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. But what's really amazing is when the patient's family finds you in the hallway the next day, and they tell you about how like their mother, their grandmother, like got a good night's sleep or how they didn't take another dose of pain medication till the till surgery. That's really like when you get the ultimate satisfaction. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really great thing and it's gone really well. We've had... You know, no issues using the ultrasound has really made it, you know, straightforward and simple. So it's really awesome. We saw during COVID such an increase in opioid use and opioid overdoses. While still necessary in some cases, these dangerous narcotics can lead to addiction. About 3 to 4% of patients undergoing elective surgery who have never taken an opioid develop a dependency. The addiction rate is higher for some types of procedures, and we know it's also associated with longer hospital stays and a higher rate of readmission. Can nerve blocks help stem that tide? Yeah, so it it it's always comes back to, you know, the concept of treating pain. So procedurists in general uh, that would perform a surgical procedure would typically give a patient... Um, you know, a couple of week or a month supply of opioids. We no longer do that. We now understand that giving a patient the appropriate dose of a pain medication after a surgical procedure, three to five days worth, getting a nerve block, which is going to essentially significantly reduce the amount of pain in that very provocative first post-operative day and then allow the, pa- the patient to transition to their pain medication for a three to four day period is exactly how the medical community is looking to address and define success in reducing opioid dependency in, in surgical population. Have you seen any data yet showing that how this is reducing uh, addiction? 
So that's what uh, the Staten, Staten Island team and I are, are planning on doing is collecting data. So we have years of data of not doing ephemeral nerve block and seeing how much morphine-like medication patients with a hip fracture typically have received. Uh, and now we're going to compare this new cohort of patients that have received ephemeral nerve block. And we're going to look at variables like how long it took them to go to surgery what their hospital length of stay is, and without question, what their pain scores and morphine consumption was. And I think it's going to be easy to show that the morphine consumption and the pain scores are significantly lower, leading to higher patient satisfaction scores. Definitely. And Dr. Brown, I'd like to add that I think also the patient outcome is going to be not only the, the, mor the morphine, but their outcome. They're, they'll be ambulatory more quickly after surgery. And I think all those things that you want you want the person that fell and has the hip fracture to be the same person before the surgery that they are after the surgery. This is going to help a lot. We've been talking about using one type of nerve block in emergency departments, but Dr. Marino, how commonly do nerve blocks get used in the surgical setting? And at Northwell, what is the ratio of patients getting nerve blocks compared to those other methods of pain management? Uh, I would say it's the overwhelming majority of patients who are having some sort of a provocative orthopedic procedure. So total knee replacement, total hip replacement, total shoulder replacement, standard of care is to get what we call a regional nerve block in addition to some sort of either general anesthetic or sedation so that when the patient does wake up from the surgical procedure, their body part is totally numb. And what about when, when, when it wears off, the 18 to 24 hours is up, then does the pain come back? So we teach the patient that as they're getting that numb and tingling feeling starting to come back, because you know when the numbness is starting to wear off, they should start their uh, oral uh, pain medication regimen. Okay. And what is that mostly? Is that mostly like ibuprofen or? So it's, it's a, it's usually a combination of ibuprofen, Tylenol, and a very, very light, uh, narcotic. Are there any side effects? I know like sometimes with opioids, you could, you could get nauseous, you could vomit, you could have itching. Is there any side effects with, with the nerve block? Before, when we were doing the poke and hope approach, we would put our finger on the femoral artery because the femoral nerve lies right next to it. And we would place the needle tip right next to the nerve. And again, we would poke through the skin and hope that the local anesthetic or Novocaine was bathing the periphery of that nerve. Well, sometimes the needle tip would enter into a blood vessel, and that's not where that local anesthetic should go. If that was the case, the patient may um, be afflicted with something called local anesthetic systemic toxicity, where when the body, when the blood vessels absorb quickly the local anesthetic, that is not a good place to be. Patients can get very dizzy. They can get numbness around their lips. And in severe cases, it could lead to a seizure. So the ultrasound has virtually eliminated that concept, that prospect. And that's why uh, we're all as practitioners feel like we have power in our hands. Awesome. So this is all exciting stuff. You know, here on 20 Minute Health Talk, we always like to end on a, on a positive note. So I like to ask each one of you, uh, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism uh, going forward? And I'll start with you, Dr. Uh, Rudnan. So it gives us hope, uh, at least for me, is the fact that patients, their overall satisfaction is going to be increased. Um, they're going to be 
having a significant reduction of their pain without having the detrimental side effects of opioids. Dr. Tama, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism? Um, I Something that I think this um, corroboration that we have with anesthesia gives us hope. Um, I think that as physicians, we want to encourage each other to continue to do better. And this kind of multidisciplinary um, teamwork really gives me hope that there's so much more that us as emergency department doctors can do for our patients and even start it from the beginning because we are the entryway to the hospital. Um, so I, I definitely think that this opens the door for so much um, more work that could be done for them. Yeah, so if I could just ask you one more question, has there been any pushback from uh, physicians on on doing, because sometimes people don't want to do different things. They're kind of set in their ways. Yeah, so I would say that, that that was probably one of my biggest concerns was teaching, you know, new trick to, to some people that have their set ways of how they manage hip fractures and manage other things. And once somebody learns how to do it and do just the, one of them and saw the impact on the patient, they want to do it. It's like they want it to become in their practice. So we've been able to just, one and done. Like people do one of them, they're like, oh, I need to do it for every single one of my patients. Um, so it's really been amazing. And, and that's really the hope for me is that it, we've bought into this, this culture of, you know, nerve blocks is that the sky's the limit. You know, we, we're a burn center here, right? We have so many terrible burns at the extremities. Imagine we can provide them with an, an anesthetic right to that, to that nerve, give them 18 hours of pain control instead of, you know, pain medicine after pain medicine, after pain medicine, you know, the outcomes could be great. Dr. Greenson, I loved how you answered both of those questions right there. Dr. Marino, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? Yeah, so I'm the old guy of the group, and you look at these three brilliant young physicians uh, to my right. Um, you know, sometimes I, I come off as the nutty professor. Hey, guys, I got this idea. Uh, I, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to have an impact on patients. And you really don't know what the feedback or the buy-in is going to be. Uh, but my hope really lies, and it's seated, and I'm, I'm really echoing what Maria said before, which is it all comes down to innovation. So if you change your thought process and you have courage to ask a question, and then you have these young, spirited, brilliant minds that look at you and have enough trust in you and to say, okay, let's try this. Let's, let's make sure if we're going to do it, let's do it right. But let's try this. And just because of our partnership, we're already able to impact people on a real visceral level. Uh, and my hope lies in that as long as we continue to come up with the idea we continue to have the courage to ask the question, always try and overcome the hurdle, find the yes. And together, you could see that there are differences in generation because of the age gap. <laughs> but um, because of these brilliant minds, my hope lies in, in them. Thank you all so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. It was a great conversation. Thank you, Dr. Marino, Dr. Greenstein, Dr. Tama, and Dr. Rudnan. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.